Hello and welcome to Beneath the Staircase. We are your beguiling hosts, Kelly. Hey, and I'm Kelly too. Two crazy ladies who love nothing more than to talk ghosts and everything paranormal. Join us, won't you? And now for the paranormal news. So this is a story that went viral and appeared on a few local news stories in late March 2019. A staff member of a market basket grocery store, which is in William Williamton, Massachusetts. Oh, you should not have seen Massachusetts. <laughs> I'm, I'm not American, <laughs> so you can correct me on that. <laughs> so she saw Trushaw <laughs> during her shift during her shift one day. And so working in the bakery, a woman by the name of Christina Bush was writing on a cake for a customer, and she turned around and saw a figure down the aisle staring back at her. And this lady was clear as day and stood out in a crowd that should have seemed ordinary, you know, in a grocery store, there's lots of people around. The thing is about this woman, she wasn't wearing modern clothes. Christina claims she was old, had short curly hair, was in a white dressing gown and white hair cap. To make it even stranger, she wasn't wearing shoes. What? So, yeah. So Christina posted her story. She was a bit like, oh, what's going on? I'm going to tell people about this, see what they think. So she posted um, on her Facebook and got hundreds of responses. Some people were like, oh, yeah, I think I've, you know, seen or felt something there, too. Other people were like, you know, maybe you, only you were meant to see her that day and nobody else. And, of course, there were people who were like, no way. No, right. It didn't happen. You're crazy. So what do you think about ghosts appearing in modern settings like a grocery store? Well, I mean, it, at one time, that land was something else. So exactly, that's my opinion. <laughs> I think that they can appear. They could in a. They can appear anywhere. I mean, ghosts got to eat too, right? They got eat, man. They need to get some <laughs> shoes, though. I mean, like, there, was there not a sign? Do you not have those signs in Canada? No shoes, no service. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kelly, what's our topic for today? Okay, so this is a story about a place I'm very familiar with. I went there on school trips when I was younger, family outings, and I happened to have my wedding there. And of course, I'm talking about Casa Loma, which is known as Canada's Castle. It is located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and was built by a man by the name of Sir Henry Pellet who was born to British parents in 1859. And Pellet became a very successful businessman. And I'm going to tell you why he was successful, because it would eventually lead to his downfall. Dun, dun, so, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so Pellet decided providing the people of Toronto with electricity would bring in the big bucks. Mm -hmm. And he founded the Toronto Electric Light Company. He also had his foot in many doors and ended up being a very, very rich man who was responsible for 25% of Canadian economy. That's a lot of money. Oh, man. And after collecting all that money, about $17 million in his pocket, um, Pellet was, was ready to build a home for himself and his wife, uh, Lady Mary Pellet. 
And the story goes, you know, romantic. He built the castle for his love, Lady Mary. And so he got together with architect E.J. Lennox to create a castle with secret passageways, towers, 98 rooms totaling at 70,000 square feet. So this was big. This was a big private house. Yowza. And yeah, it took three years to build and $3.5 million. And that's in 1911. And he filled his castle with antiques, treasures, and based many of his designs and ideas on his European travels. And unfortunately, it would all come crashing down when the city of Toronto decided that electricity shouldn't be owned privately. It should be publicly owned. And so there goes his company and he can no longer support his dream. Wah, wah, wah. So in all of these... Um, visits the castle when I was growing up and, you know, school groups, they don't really tell them that Casaloma is haunted. Um, and there are stories of children's voices being heard when there are none in the building mm-hmm. and a man seen tending the garden in an old uniform. But there is a story of a ghost uh, who it's reported time and time again, and that's the lady in white. And she's said to be a pale figure dressed in white, seen near Sir Pellet's suite. And, you know, back then, men and women had separate bedrooms mm. and decorated differently mm. in their tastes. And in the basement, and she's seen in the basement of the castle, which is now the cafeteria for school groups and tourists. So the lady in white is suspected to be um, a maid who died from influenza. Um, and during this influenza epidemic, there was approximately 60,000 people who died in the city. Yikes, and, man. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, the fact that she's seen, it makes sense that people think she's a maid because she's seen most frequently in the basement and in all these old houses and manors. That's where all the activity, you know, hustle and bustle of the servants and maids would be, would be below stairs. Mm. Castle to the very elaborate stables. And this tunnel is dark, damp, moist, one of my favorite words. Mm. And uh, <laughs> so in this tunnel, there is an agitated voice heard of a cranky man. Oh. And on multiple occasions, people reported being grabbed or having their hair yanked or pulled. And this cranky man is said to be the ghost or friend, or not ghost or friend, he's the ghost of a friend <laughs> who was hired <laughs> to look after Sir Pellet's prized horses. Ooh. So um, the final ghost I'm going to tell you about is um, one experienced by just one person, a little boy. So Casaloma, as many historic sites do nowadays, hold events and functions as a way to support themselves and maintain the building for future generations. So this young boy was in attendance of a function in the castle's gardens and told a member of staff he saw a face in a second floor window. This was alarming to the staff member because for this function, the second floor should have been locked down. Mm. She asked the boy to describe the man he saw, and the description sounded mighty, mighty familiar. She showed the boy a grouping of old photos and asked him, do you see the man here? The boy pointed to a photo of Sir Henry Pellet and said, that's him. Why is he so mad? Oh. Mm. Why was he so mad? Yeah, maybe he didn't. He doesn't like what his castle's become. Is what oh, I think. That's spooky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get into mine. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I am talking about the Cecil Hotel. The Cecil Hotel was built in 1924 by William Banks Hanner and was supposed to be a destination hotel for international businessmen and the social elite. So this was going to be like Mm, a fancy schmancy place. Mm. But unfortunately, two years after this Cecil Hotel opened, (laughs) uh, the Great Depression reared its ugly head. So over time, the area surrounding the Cecil Hotel became known as Skid Row, which is home to thousands of homeless. So how does the Cecil become the most haunted hotel in Los Angeles? Well, Cal, let's find out. Tell me. (laughs) In its first decade of business, the Cecil became the home to at least six suicides. Six suicides in a decade, folks. These suicides included death by poison, self-inflicted gunshot wounds, and jumping from hotel windows. So this is not completely unfounded as this was like in the height of the Great Depression. So people offing themselves was kind of like, it was big numbers, people. It was big numbers. So as the decades passed, more and more violent deaths accumulated. There are a substantial amount of deaths associated with the hotel, uh, 16 that have been documented, but here are just a couple of the most famous. In 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, aged 19, awoke in the middle of the night with stomach pains. So she went to the bathroom and, you know, gave birth, like you do, to a baby boy. She had no idea she had been pregnant. So thinking the baby was dead, Purcell threw her baby out the window and onto the roof of the building next door, which she found later was the end of the baby. Uh, The baby was actually alive when she threw it. So that is awful. In 1962, 65-year-old George Gianni was walking by the Cecil with his hands in his pockets, probably whistling like you do, (laughs) when he was struck to death by a falling woman. Pauline Auden, only 27, jumped from her ninth-story window after an argument with her estranged husband. Her fall killed both her and Gianni instantly. And I mean, what are the odds that you're going to throw yourself out a window and land on a passerby killing you both? That's a bad day. It's a bad day, Kel. It's a bad day. (laughs) So if the deaths weren't enough for you, check this out. The Cecil Hotel served as a temporary home for two, a yes, two serial killers. (laughs) In the mid-1980s, Richard Ramirez lived in a room on the top floor of the hotel during much of his horrific killing spree. He was dubbed the Night Stalker and murdered 13 people. Reports claim that after slaughtering someone, he would throw his bloody clothes into a dumpster and just walk right into the hotel lobby, either completely naked or only in his underwear. None of which would even raise an eyebrow because at the time... The Cecil was just in utter chaos. It was clientels of sex workers, junkies, and apparently serial killers. So nobody really cared, I guess. <laughs> no good deal, I guess. Yeah. Um, now, in 1991, Austrian serial, serial killer Jack Unterweger, which is very fun to mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. Um, strangled prostitutes with their own bras, which is not very fun to say, lived mm-hmm. in the Cecil Hotel. As the story goes, he had chose the hotel as his destination because of its connection to Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Oh, sick. Yeah, pretty sick. So um, there's also some pretty famous cold cases that are associated with the hotel. So, um, Kel, have you ever heard of the Black Dahlia? 
Yes, I have for sure. Okay. So for those of you who are not familiar, Elizabeth Short came to be known as the Black Dahlia after her 1947 murder. Her body was discovered in a field in Los Angeles and became highly publicized due to the graphic nature of the crime, which included her corpse having been mutilated and bisected Mm. at the waist and drained of all her blood. She was (laughs) reported to have stayed at the Cecil Hotel just before her mutilation, and her case still remains unsolved. Um, In fact, the last sighting of her was at the Cecil Bar um, in the hotel. So that's pretty interesting. But one of the most mysterious deaths ever to take place at the Cecil Hotel happened recently, only six years ago. In 2013, Elisa Lamb who is 21 and Canadian mm-hmm. was found dead inside the water tank on the roof of the Cecil hotel three weeks <gasps> after she had gone missing three I heard weeks, about that. three weeks. Her naked <sighs> body was found floating in the water tank only after hotel guests had complained of bad water pressure and a funny taste to the water. Oh. So people were drinking and showering in the water. Although her death, well, for three weeks, my God. Okay. Although her death was ruled as an accidental drowning, people still believe otherwise. And here's why. Before her death, surveillance cameras caught Lamb acting strangely in an elevator, at times appearing to yell at someone out of view, as well as attempting to hide from someone. She also pressed multiple elevator buttons and waved her arms erratically. Now, if you haven't seen this footage, we will have it available for you to view on our website. And it's pretty incredible to watch. After the video surfaced publicly, many people began to believe that the rumors of the hotel being haunted might be true. People began drawing parallels between the Black Dahlia murder and Lamb's murder, pointing out that both women were in their 20s, traveling alone from L.A. to San Diego, and last seen at the Cecil Hotel. I'm going to say Cecil sometimes. I'm sorry, you guys. And were missing for several days before their bodies were found. So you might be thinking, well, wait, 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 wait. This mostly is just painting a picture of the sordid history of the Cecil Hotel. So what makes you believe it's haunted? Oh, oh, it's haunted. There are a number of accounts of people claiming to have seen full body apparitions, hearing disembodied voices coming from inside the walls, as well as a thick and dark energy coating the hotel. In fact, in 2014, the ghost of a boy was reportedly photographed outside a fourth floor window, but there's no way that that's the only spirit lurking around. Uh, We will also be posting an image of this onto our website just so you can take a look at that. So what's going on with the hotel now? Kelly, you might ask. You might, What's you going might. on with the hotel? Thank you. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, the last body was found in 2015 of a man who reportedly committed suicide. So there are still mm. deaths going on. Ghost stories and rumors of the hotel's haunting can be found all over the internet. Um, and the hotel even served as the inspiration for season five of American Horror Story, aptly named The Hotel. That's so cool. In 2011, the Cecil rebranded itself as this as the Stay on Main Hotel and Hostel, a $75 per night budget hotel for tourists. And that is what it was when Elisa Lamb was staying and ultimately mm. died there. As of right now, ownership has once again changed hands and a complete renovation is underway to include an upscale boutique hotel and hundreds of fully furnished micro units in which I will never, ever reside. 
So even though it has been rebranded, if you search stay on main hotel, you're still Googling Google Googling the same address, right? (laughs) The same address, which brings Mm -hmm. up every single story of the Cecil, Cecil, Cecil hotel. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to find out about all the suicides. You're going to find out about the weird, you know, murders, the cold cases, the serial killers, all that, all of that comes up. So no matter how much you rebrand it, how much money you're putting into it, that is still the site of this, of all this tragic stuff that happened. And, um, the, it is also considered, um, I don't know if you said it was a heritage or a historical, I don't know how to clarify. Heritage site? A heritage site where um, they can't really, they can't take down, they can't um, disrupt a lot of stuff now. Mm-hmm. So um, the main sign still reads Hotel Cecil. So wow. no, you're not getting away from this sordid past of, of no. the hotel. So um, part of history now. The, yes, it's part of history. So I have a quick question for you, Cal. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Would you stay there? I don't know. I was, I don't think so because I feel like this place is just evil. There's yeah, something, there's something there. there. There's something like, it's, yeah, you can paint over it, change it however you want, but I don't know. There's something not right about this place. I agree. Okay. So for our last segment, we thought that we'd do something a little fun. Kelly and I actually met on Twitter and um, we are very into the paranormal, so we've decided to read our favorite paranormal tweet. Kel, what do you got for us? All right. So before I even started my own Twitter account, I had stumbled across, I don't even know how, probably just Googling ghosts and all that stuff like I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, I stumbled across a thread by Adam Ellis, which is at Moby underscore dickhead. <laughs> and I know, I know. <laughs> unfortunate but there it is <laughs> adam chronicles his experience with the ghost of a little boy named david and this is a thread called dear david and it's really long um so i'm not going to read you know it uh, the whole thing to you but it's about a little boy named david who appears in his apartment and his dreams so he starts off, starts off by having dreams about this little boy who has a dent in his head. He has a misshapen head, and he even Mm. includes drawings of what he's seen in his dreams. And eventually he wakes up from his dreams, and dear David is sitting in a rocking chair in his room, staring at him. And Adam claims to suffer from sleep paralysis. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that before, yeah, where you can't move. he can't move, he can't scream, and he says, just as David gets up to walk towards him, and these are many tweets, this happens many times, um, over the week, in a couple weeks in the summer of 2017, and, you know, David gets closer, he he takes videos in his apartment, there's a whole thing, it's really cool, a lot of people followed it. Um, so if you want to check it out for yourself, you can go to, um, Adam Ellis's Twitter, which is again, at Moby underscore dickhead, <laughs> and, you know, read, read through the entire thing with the lights off under blanket. It's really cool and a huge following and lots of comments and people's ideas of what it could be. So that's really cool. I love that. That's awesome. I'm going to, yeah. I bookmarked it and I can't wait to read it. Yeah. It's a good read. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we have. Please join us next week when we discuss more spooky tales of the paranormal. We'll see you beneath the staircase. <laughs>